What's up, everybody? Jordan here. Just wanted to do a, a quick note before you get into this episode that this is very much so an exploitation movie and very much so a movie that has multiple rape scenes in it. And if that's not something that you want to hear about or listen to, it certainly wasn't something we wanted to watch. But uh, feel free to just skip the episode. You don't have to listen to that if that's not something you want to get into. But we'll be back next week with Tim Allen's Dumbass and Jungle to Jungle if you want to check that out. So just wanted to let you guys know that off top. But uh, other than that, enjoy the episode. Coming to TV screens this fall. You know you loved him in that 1974 exploitation hit, The Klansman. Well, he's coming to your TV screen this fall every Wednesday night. It's that black bastard, Willie Washington. Hey, honey. I'm seeing your flowers outside. It looks like petunias aren't doing that well this year. I know, John. I planted those petunias and I was waiting for them to come in this summer. And what happened? I can't tell. I tried everything. Water, sunlight. What do I do? Well, honey, I think I know what the problem is. It's that black bastard, Willie Washington. Oh, shit. I don't go around talking about my D-line. Every week, that black bastard, Willie Washington, gets into the same old shenanigans. Check this out. Uh, Dad, I know you've seen my report card. And I have a perfectly reasonable explanation for everything. Yeah? What is it? It's that black bastard, Willie Washington. You damn right. I ain't gonna be naming no name. Watch as Willie takes his hijinks to the White House. Uh, Mr. President, Mr. President, sir, sir, sir. Uh, yes, yes, right there. The deficit, it's through the roof these days. Spending is out of control. What do you think? What are we going to do? Well, you know, some people say China, some people say Russia. But there's only one person to blame for this. That black bastard, Willie Washington. That kind of stuff can get me in a whole heck of trouble. If you're looking for hijinks, you know who to find. It's going to be that black bastard, Willie Washington. Wednesdays after What's Happening. She said it was right. can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of White People Won't Save You. This is a podcast where we deconstruct these white saver films and recontextualize them through a black and POC lens. I'm one of your hosts, Jordan Clark. And I'm the other one, Cameron Mason. And just us this week. OG. Probably for the best, because we got a movie this week that I, I'm i glad nobody else had to watch. <laughs> it would be embarrassing for us to have to explain why another person has to watch this. Yeah. Like, you don't come in your house and, like, you don't invite somebody to your house and say, hey, watch, like, American Psycho with me this afternoon. Yeah. No. Well, don't do that. We're, we're talking about 1974's The Klansman. <laughs> and uh, there's... There's a lot to unpack here. Um, let's let's get to our movie this week, which feels like somebody just typed racism into chat GPT. Racist-ass <laughs> movie. Hey, can you make a racist-ass movie? I got you. Hey, I got you, boy. I got you, boy. Let's, uh, <laughs> I got you, my nigga. 
<laughs> you know that's you know that's where we're going too. Yeah. Um, well, for those who are like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? <laughs> this is a movie from 1974 called The Klansman, starring. Wait for it. <laughs> you got Lee Marvin. You got Richard Burton. You got O.J. Simpson. You got Cameron Mitchell. <laughs> you got David Huddleston. And a bunch more people in this movie directed by Terrence Young, who you might know for several James Bond movies. Basically, like, creating the visual language for the first, like, five James Bond movies. Yeah. And we'll get into this in a little bit. It is produced by a black man. (laughs) Yup. And had (laughs) a lot of weird behind-the-scenes shit going on. It's let's let, let's also say that it was written by Daniel Fuller, who was kind of he. It, it, yes, his name yes. is on it. His name is on it. But, yes, <laughs> but even he had problems we'll get into with that this movie too. Yeah. <laughs> because he's he's also known for specifically subversive films that did come out from studios, you know, yeah. like Shot Corridor. And things like that that were literally made to provoke the audience. Yeah. He was like a king of exploitation yeah. before exploitation was a genre. And this is capital exploitation. <laughs> yeah, bro. They wow. Don't even don't even hold back within the first. It five really minutes. just gets started. Yeah. <laughs> the budget for it was five million. There's not a gross. I don't know what this movie made. <laughs> But it is interesting to note that this movie is now in the public domain. And it is a movie that you can watch for free on several places. But there is a caveat. You can watch it on, say, Tubi, like I did the first time, until I realized (laughs) that it was the edited version. And then I watched (laughs) it on Daily Motion the second time, realizing why it was edited. (laughs) oh yeah and so it will describe the movie if you so choose to watch the movie just know that there are two different versions and there might be a version that you prefer to watch over the other because uh one of them is is not holding back in any way but not at all caravan you 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 seem confident you can get these five minutes in i believe you so i think so i i I feel like I remember way too much of this movie, yeah. and I don't like that. I mean, I I, I wish I like forgot a little bit of this one. Me too. <laughs> well, Wait. I'll I'll get the timer going. You let me know when you're ready to rock. All right, let's do it. All right. So it's 1974. It's the present when this movie is set, uh, and we're in an, like a little Alabama black uh, in a little Alabama backwater. Hmm. And uh, as we see from this same sign, local elections are coming up and we meet Sheriff Track Bascom, who is, you know, he's out here making his rounds and he comes across like a circle of hillbillies who are watching a black man that they promised a dollar to uh, rape a black woman right in front of them. That's that's what's going on right there. First two minutes of the movie. Hmm. Uh, Off to a great start. Track shuts it up down. He's like, nah, you guys can't do this. And he gives he gives that black man his dollar and he just tells him to move on. Uh then it becomes clear that he basically owes his station and possible reelection to these idiots who were like out here yep. trying to do terrible things in broad daylight. But 
even after you know aligning themselves with them before, he really doesn't share their views anymore. It becomes clear. Uh, also, we meet Trax Bestie, who since uh, high school, this guy Breck, he has become a wealthy local landowner, and he is allowing a civil rights demonstration to happen in town. So that's like the coming up. That's the event. That's the big event that's coming up down the line in this movie. Mm-hmm. There's a civil rights demonstration coming up in town, and the locals are obviously not for it cut to random white couple (laughs) driving around in the woods uh just hanging out and their car breaks down yep because they got nothing else to do their car breaks down and the guy says all right i'm going to town to go get help tells his girlfriend don't touch the radio she touches the radio and for that she is raped (laughs) no uh, no it's it's she literally literally he turns around the guy turns around and the next chop the next edit is like a an unseen un a, like a nondescript it's hand a black reaching shape. for her a black <laughs> hand yes a black hand i'll try not to say it but a black hand reaching out for his woman nancy and she's obviously raped by an unknown and black my, my guy's not even like 10 steps away like not even like <laughs> far away he could have seen in the he could have been like, what's that? He but could he definitely not. hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and all the screaming too. Like, come on, dog. You've heard something. He's, he's got to get to Either town. way. <laughs> yes. And like like I said, for those counting it along at home, that's uh two rapes before the 15 minute mark. Uh just you know, just so you know what kind of movie you're watching. Uh so now it's up to Sheriff Track to track down the culprit. And looks like the the clan assumes off rip that is this one dude Willie Washington, <laughs> and poor Willie. Uh, poor, they didn't even like think twice about it. It was like that's near Willie Washington. So <laughs> let's go get him. Uh, and the local clan members, including including deputy sheriff, but cut Kate's. Uh, yeah, that's his name. His name is uh, Butt Cut, by the way. And they don't call him anything else no. this whole movie. Um. Yeah. So, uh, the the deputy sheriff is like, "Yo, let's go clap Willie Washington. Let's go get that guy real quick." They go down to the bar, and of course, your boy Willie Washington is hanging out, having a drink, dressed like a pimp, normal for 1974. Uh, Willie says he didn't do it, and so they decide to bust up these two black dudes who are walking away out front. Uh, they snatch up the one guy though, the one guy Henry. They snatch him up and they castrate him. Yep. Which I actually couldn't tell. It was you, George, who told me that, like, oh, they castrated that. Well, because they like, kept saying oh, I it. They just cut him up. Yeah, they kept saying it in all the descriptions of the movie that I was reading, and I was like, I didn't see that part because that's in the. Yeah, I didn't see that either. In the edited version, they don't even like begin to get into that. But in the unedited version, you see about five minutes of this scene. <laughs> yeah, this one goes on. And did we did we tell everybody what uh what OJ Simpson's name is? In the movie? Oh yes, I'm getting to that. Uh, so this guy Henry, his buddy's name is Garth. Just Garth, Apparently. no last Garth, name. no last name. <laughs> and that's that's your man OJ Simpson. So OJ survives this uh, kidnapping, and he swears revenge on the clan right up front. Um, enter Loretta Sykes, who is another character we're meeting like down the line in this movie. Random black woman yep. who grew up in the town and she her family lives on the land that Breck owns. Breck is like the local landowner. He's you know become wealthy. He's got like a bum leg too. He doesn't really leave his this like 
place on the hill because yeah. people don't agree with the fact that you know he's for civil rights or he's not even really for civil rights because like later in this movie he definitely describes black people as gorillas like yeah casually well i guess the the whole deal is loretta tells us that at one point his grandfather got hung by a tree that's still on his property that's still yeah because he didn't like uh racism and the civil war i guess was the deal it was a very strange explanation that felt very shoehorned into this movie <laughs> yeah even though the tree becomes a big part of it down the line um so it seems like also like loretta was like trained by breck also mm. like weapons trained at least or like at least trained enough to like defend herself yeah uh so yeah but cut doesn't like the fact that she's in town and it's like, you know what, I'm going to make some trouble for these, like, you know, these nigga-loving whites that live up on the hill. So they decide to rape Loretta, which they do. They just kidnap her and take her to a warehouse where they brutally rape her, by the way. Yeah. And again, you have to watch it because the movie, the unedited version, is five minutes of that. Yeah. Why? I don't um, know. And also, when everybody leaves, also, which is quite weird, uh, everybody leaves. There's like five guys there, and four of them leave, and they're like, "Butt cut, you stay behind." Damn, yeah, I almost had. It. I thought I had it coming close. <laughs> we're going. We're getting there. We're getting there. So they leave butt cut behind with Loretta, who was like aching in pain, and he has the nerve to go up to her like, "Are you all right?" And I'm like, "I, if a villain ever needed a death, it was this guy yeah. at this moment." So Track shows up, and they basically the three of them, Bud Cut, Track, and Loretta, come up with a false narrative that says like a black man did the did the deed. Oh, they don't come up just, with it. Just... Bascom says, "Hey, yeah, here's the story because yeah. I am <laughs> indebted to the Ku Klux Klan. Bud Cut is my deputy. I can't have it going around that he brutally raped you." in an effort to get some payback. So if you want to go to the hospital, because she tells him, I'm not going to last much longer. Right. right. She is bleeding profusely. And he's like, if you, if you want to go to the hospital, a, AKA, if you want to live, right. You're going to say that a black man, you're going to say that butt cut arrested you. Didn't have anything to keep you. Let you go. A random black man came upon you, kidnapped you, put you in a trunk, brought you to another part of town where three other random black men were waiting and then they did this to you. Trap comes up with this like on the spot, yes. by the way. Like literally no thought process. He was like, all right, we're going this was that horrible. Um, he's the hero so... of the movie. <laughs> this is one of the lead characters that you're supposed to care about. He's supposed to root for this dude. Uh, so the day of the demonstration finally comes, and everybody's talking shit. The clan's there; they're hanging on the demonstrators. Some hippie youth pastor shows up, trying to get, trying to ask Breck yeah, yeah. We're to, gonna, we're gonna you know, talk get Loretta. <laughs> he asked Breck, you know, should, I think Loretta should come clean about her thoughts. And Breck's like, "Are you dumb? You fool? You idiot!" Then this clan guy, this random clan guy, walks up to track. Walks up to track Bascom and he's like, "Hey man, why don't you just like let? A, why don't you uh, tell these 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 monkeys, these black people? Why don't you tell them to get out of here?" And tracks like, 
I ain't got nothing to say to you, he's fam. Like, Why don't you just let so us this guy's, <laughs> And exactly, he's like, fine, well, I'm about to do what I do. So he walks over there, and literally in the same shot, his back explodes because he gets shot. Yes, that's right. Your man Garth was on the hill scoping his yep. dude the whole time, and he starts shooting, blam, blam, blam. And then off that, you know, the demonstration disperse, disperses. The police start shooting back at OJ. OJ manages also, by the way, in this very same shot, he runs away from the like the point where he shot that guy. And in the same shot, it seems that there's a train coming. Like, and I don't know if he knew it. I don't know if it was timed. But it looks like your boy OJ Simpson could have died in that moment. Like, that was insane. Uh, not a stunt. <laughs> what was going on right there? Either way. Uh, yeah, so Bart, uh, so Garth, like, finally uh, packs up his, like, sniper rifle, and he escapes. Breck and Loretta are driving, you know, they're driving home, they're getting out of there, and they find out that Garth stowed away in the trunk. Once they, and they drop Garth in the woods, but not before OJ, OJ Simpson, of all people, decides to give you the whole nonviolent protest doesn't work spiel. Yep. He becomes a radical in front of OJ Simpson, by the way. OJ Simpson in 1974 becomes a radical suddenly in this scene. And he's like, hey, fam, that, all that bullshit that Martin was talking about is yeah. not getting done. It's crazy. <laughs> I, like, I felt my brain like seeping out of my ears this very scene. Either way, they drop this nigga in the woods. They go drop Loretta back in her house on the hill, but not before Brett sees that the clan came up there to his hill and shot his dog. So it's not the rape of his friend that makes him mad about this. It's not the multiple fires that have been that have been set all across town. The racial chaos has been going on all across town. This nigga's dog got shot, and he's like, "I'm with the shits again." He went full John Wick. He was like, "All right, <laughs> bet." <laughs> I'm going all the way to the top with this. I, I guess that I'm back. <laughs> so, meanwhile, the clan is, of course, mad. So they plan to jump Breck at the bus station when his, his girlfriend, Breck's girlfriend, is like, "I'm leaving town." This is too crazy for me. Brett's girlfriend Brett is like, should, baby. We should clarify. Brett's girlfriend is the woman who got raped in the beginning of the movie. Yes. She has been brought over by Bascom to live in his house because everybody in town hates her because yes. a black man raped her. Because she confessed in church. She confessed in church that it was a black man who raped her. Uh, so everybody hates that. Yeah. And they, and they shuffle her off to the hill. Where she like starts making out with Brett, which is just what the fuck. Yeah. Uh, but then after his dog yeah. dies, she's like, actually, I can't stay here. So he takes her to the bus I can't station. stay. It's, get, <laughs> it's getting a little hot, baby. It's getting a little hot here. I got to get out of town. So Brett takes us to the Greyhound station, but butt cuts there. And he's like, hey, fam, I don't like the way you talking around here. And butt cut gets like proceeds to get his ass handled by the man with the messed up leg. Yeah. Like, just thrown in all sorts of directions. Beat up, punch, all this stuff. He wipes the floor with butt cuts. Butt, and, a, and a completely, like, at the time, absurd scene earlier in the film. <laughs> this woman, who I guess is working at the sheriff's office, discloses that Richard Burton is a Vietnam veteran who knows karate. And who knows, was, like, yeah, he knows, like, the hand-to-hand combat, basically. And would, like, fuck you up. And then, lo and behold, later in the movie, Richard Burton He's with got the, all the, moves. the sloppiest karate. 
you've ever seen. Your man is like using the like the weakest jujitsu on the planet, taking like people's energy and like throwing them. He's going with their body weight. It's like it's like Austin Powers, basically. Like he's doing the Austin Powers karate chop. Oh yeah, the one where it's like they chop at him and they he basically like pulls people in opposite directions. Yeah, it's it's that for like a two minute scene. (laughs) Um, And he he comes. Buttcut goes back to the clan bar. He's fucked up like his face is fucked up he's embarrassed uh and the bar patrons the local clan they're like yeah who did that to you and he's like break break smack me around the clan's <laughs> like oh no we don't like that and the clan's not, not like about- you need to get the fuck out then <laughs> yeah they, <laughs> if they literally don't excommunicate this dude <laughs> for having a civil rights demonstrator with a messed up leg whoop his ass <laughs> they don't kick him out of the group somehow um <laughs> But they even actually they doubled down if anything. They're like, no, it's time to get the hoods. It's yeah. time to get the crosses. Right. We're going up to Brex Hill. They go to Brex Hill, and there's actually kind of a cool shot, honestly. Like Breck is like Breck and Bascom are like staring down like the hills that uh lead up to their house, and like yeah. you start to see all these burning crosses in the distance, and they're like char- basically charging on his house. And Brex giving all OJ... the black people like air horns to like sound off when they see the clan coming. <laughs> he gives these two kids air horns and they're like, what are we going to do with this? Yeah. They, the black kids lo- literally look at him like, you are way too white. You have no idea what's happening <laughs> to us. Either way, yes, the clan starts coming down the hill. They're like, yeah, it's time. It's time. Let's fuck you up. Garth, OJ, he's sitting in the, he's sitting in the tree and he's like, all right, we're about to do this again. The shooting starts. The clan is like throwing uh, the crosses at him, throwing fire at these guys. They set the house, they set the barn on fire that Loretta family lives in. It's not looking good. Yeah. And then, but man, OJ manages to pick like a lot of these guys off. Oh, and yeah. like, you know, there's firebombs and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's actually pretty crazy for the finale of the movie. Uh, they, he actually manages to slay like all the clan. Except butt cut, who must have got shot in the shoulder and well, played yeah, dead long enough to Bascom, wait. Because Bascom, Bascom gets shot, um, and he's kind of wait, no, like, no, no. Butt cut shoots Bascom. Yeah, butt cut shoots Bascom, and then somebody else shoots. He butt plays cut. dead, and then, yeah, he shoot. He he plays dead. Yeah, and shoots Bascom. Bascom is like really fucked up. He got shot in his chesticles. He's dead. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, he's dead. Uh, butt cut. He's Actually, he's probably dead too. Butt cut and he gets he's killed. Shot. He's, Somebody he's shoots dead. Breck too. Somebody shoots Breck. Breck dies. So all the white people die. And Loretta is just like there to like look at them as like all, all the shit is burning around them. And yeah. then OJ walks up on the scene and he's like, enough's enough. We're going to set fire to this tree that your grand. Oh, no, no, no. Loretta, Loretta sets fire to the tree. OJ runs off because. Yeah. Before OJ Bascom, runs off into the distance. <laughs> Bascom stopped him from shooting clan members because OJ's about to For go some finish reason. some people. And he's like, nah, we don't do that. Which is like, you've been doing it the whole movie. And then his dumb it's ass gets shot. Needed. And then OJ's and like, then well, yeah, I'm not fucking around <laughs> with these white people no more. <laughs> off into the night. And that's the movie. They set the tree on fire that Granddaddy got home from. OJ walked off into the sunset, and that's like it. And all the white people died. So, I mean. We're going to need to talk for more than a minute, but I. Yeah, this one, this one needs some unpacking. God damn. I don't think we sufficiently explained 
how crazy this movie is because this movie is fucking off the rails like like you said Cameron it starts with at least two rapes within 10 minutes the first 10 minutes <laughs> 10 minutes and the whole idea so there's there's i think there's two or three things that we need to fill in right sure our boy willie right <laughs> willie washington gets locked up immediately you know what i mean yes like, they do yeah they're like <laughs> maybe there's a couple of lines that i think are in, in line for my favorite in this movie but in the beginning we cut to a clan meeting they're trying to set the guinness world record for nigger in a in one sitting because like they're just saying nigger like every other word of the meeting but like the mayor of the town is the grand cyclops is what he calls himself and like yes that's that's david huddleston that's ba- if you've ever seen a coen brothers movie with a big southern dude in it he's that big southern yep. dude who's not john goodman yep he was also in santa claus the movie uh, so, <laughs> um, but he is like, yeah, you know, like let's not mess these black people up too bad. You know what I mean? Like we're trying to be, I don't know if it's like a gentler clan or something like that, but definitely like we're not with the lynchings and the murder quite right now. We just want to get our niggers in line uh, with this <laughs> voting thing. We don't want them to get too uppity, right? <laughs> Then they get a call on the phone where they're like, a white woman's been raped. And a random member of the clan says, and I quote, it was that black bastard Willie Washington. <laughs> Washington. <laughs> and it's not on screen either. I love that too. It's He's ADR like a motherfucker. And everybody's like, yeah, I guess it was Willie Washington. Uh, they don't even waste time making this up. They're so sure it's Willie Washington that independently of the clan... Bascom goes and arrests Willie Washington with no evidence. Just as like no I guess it was takes him in. Everybody's first assumption that when a white woman gets raped is it was probably Willie that, Washington. That, that nigga Willie. <laughs> it's crazy that how quick they went to him and was like, is he like the third black guy? He's like the only black guy in town. Well, because be he gets picked up at what I guess is the black place. There's like four it's or five bar. black a- people and OJ. Because OJ's not black. Uh, but no, he, he's, <laughs> he's OJ. Uh, he's and, um, like that, and those are... We only see black people in this one bar and on top of the hill uh, with yeah. Breck. And then I guess the outside agitators... And the demonstration. The who, demonstration. who have come to demonstrate. But so they, they go and arrest Willie. And then we don't see Willie again for like a majority of the movie. And then... Yeah. Apropos of almost nothing, because the movie's almost yeah. over, this white woman comes in when the clan is about to like fuck up Bascom, and it's like, stop. I fucked Willie Washington. <laughs> I, I was fucking Willie Washington that night. And this might be my favorite part of the movie. I don't appreciate violence against women. I do not. But, but the way is it? No, it's, uh, the white guy from the car. Yeah. Uh, I guess. Oh, no. I guess. Um, it's, it's another. It's like some random Klansman that we've never seen before. And he just like. Loops. Is he? I thought he was the guy. Because he's emotional. Oh, no. Guy from the car who we'll talk about right after this left on the Greyhound. <laughs> because... Oh, that's right. He got out of town because he was like, I'm going to fuck my wife. 
I got to get out. I can't even show my face. <laughs> but this man in this bar heard that Willie Washington was fucking another girl, not even his wife, not even his girlfriend, just a random white woman. He comes across the room with the force <laughs> of several guns, just all the way across the room, point A to point B, just to smack her in her face. Because she's, as, as, as he quotes, the mother of my children. Uh, and like this so this and then he cries and then he cries he cries immediately breaks down and cries and this is the resolution (laughs) of the rape plot point yes that because it doesn't matter at this point yeah so the whole movie has been hinged on at least you think up until this point the the rape of this woman but actually it doesn't matter because we're the a the town was mad anyway. The town was mad anyway. We're about to rape another woman, so yeah, we got we got things to do, <laughs> and we got uh, time is time is ticking, guys. And I guess this whole thing is just going to end in some kind of like yeah climactic shootout. So like, I don't, I don't understand the politics of this movie. Like, I understand that right. it's an exploitation film, but I don't understand like. Yes, I guess the clan are the bad guys. They're, they should always be the bad guys. I don't ever want to sympathize with a clan member in a movie. <laughs> Go on. Well, it's like they're, I think they're the bad guys because they have to be, right? But like, yeah. But then every other white person in this movie is also like terrible. And not even helpful. track is like whack. He's not great. Brett calls multiple black people gorillas yeah. casually. Right. Also, sidebar, I don't like that we watch this on Daily Motion hosted by film gorillas. I know. Didn't like that either. No. Well, you beggars can't be choosers, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> or niggers, I guess, according to this movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's it's like because the so the end of the movie, right? I guess yes. is what everything comes down to because throughout the film track has been very adamant that he is not a friend of black people. Like he is yeah. here to do his job, but then also doesn't seem to be a fan of the clan. Like is only yes. aligned with them in so much as they got him elected and like, and we'll probably get him reelected. Yeah. He needs to keep them happy to keep his job, but he doesn't necessarily. Yeah, he's, he doesn't seem to be. He's an unsympathetic douchebag. Yeah, he doesn't seem to be like, yay, you know, love the clan, like because he's doesn't he's not a member of the clan, but at the same right. time, like, is not in any way like associating with or helping black people do anything. Nope. Even to the extent of going just one more t- one more time going back to that rape subplot i guess which was like uh, it went from the a plot to the b plot to like just sliding right out of the just, movie uh <laughs> so the the initial sequence we see with quote unquote lightning rod is his name we don't get his actual name they just call him lightning rod, oh yeah yes um who is the black man who is trying to rape this other black woman and is like the movie isn't gonna say it, but I think we're either meant to believe that he is supposed to be childlike 
in nature mentally disabled yes uh and we we don't get that information um it's it's 1974 you you don't go get that information yeah but this is kind of like you're supposed to just assume because he either possibly has a disability or is just like you know never received a proper education or something like that he just loves rape I guess it's yeah. very easy to get that going for him, like set him on people. I mean, all like, your man needs is a dollar. You all know, he needs is a dollar. So, like the implication when you see the following sequence where the white woman gets raped is that it's probably lightning rod because he was just walking home and came upon a woman by herself and decided that. He should rape her, rape I her. guess. Uh, and so and she's not even also all that by herself. Yeah, the movie. Her man is over there. The movie's <laughs> not doing a good job in one. <laughs> like, like if you're trying to say, oh, the you know the clan is like you know full of silly, uh, you know hate filled white men who like you know are are out here to do you know terrible things to black people, um, even though like black people are just living their lives and minding their business. Like um, you've got one, you it's clearly a black man who commits the rape. So yes, <laughs> you're very much saying a black man did rape this woman. Like she didn't, it's not a situation where she made it up or where it's like, you know, some kind of situation that you could say, Oh, who could really tell, you know, like it's a Rashomon kind of thing. Yeah. Like, or, or like, no one's really sure of the truth at all or even the film was like it like we shot it so dark that you can't really tell you just know it was a man but like this that's also part of it this yeah. person clearly has an afro you see black hands like it is a he's black it's a black person <laughs> and so it's like well but <laughs> then later in the movie we're almost at the end right like this it feels like yeah. this whole subplot is not even a thing that's happening anymore bascom shows mm-hmm. up at Lightning Rod's house, I think. I yes. don't know whose home it is because Garth is also there, and I don't know how Garth knows Lightning Rod. Right, but is, the movie does not care because he's just poking his head out of a door. But is is there to protect him because it's clear that Bascom is insinuating that Lightning Rod is the rapist, and Garth is like, "Well, no, right? Like he was here." watching tv that whole night and then the and the conversation turns to well where were you because i know you've been shooting up clan members and like if i know that then they probably know that and so we actually never get the answer to who you never get the answer raped this one <laughs> you never get what the whole movie is hinged on i think you're supposed Which to just assume is- it's lightning rod but like i i think it's one of those things where you're not supposed to know and the point is that you don't know because the town's anger is the real villain i guess so but it's like that was so much of the movie right when there's no real commentary yeah right there's no real commentary because the movie just plays out like there's no like no one get garth gets revenge right he shoots a bunch of clans members right he doesn't really get actual revenge for the person who did the crime no well, and it's just race related rage. It's race related rage. OJ's character is somehow the most likable character in the movie. 
Yes. <laughs> but even, it's so weird. Even his politics are kind of like, wait, what? <laughs> Where did this it's come just from? It's also weird <laughs> to have like that nigga reciting like, <laughs> like Angela Davis to me in yeah. the car. Like I was just like, what are you talking? What are you talking about? He's you, yeah. I mean, you are a white man, OJ Simpson. You he's one step away from just... Kwame Ture, and you're just like. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Since when? <laughs> Since when? But so so the two main white characters because they are the stars of this movie. Yep. Die? Yep. In I, it's so hard to tell because they don't it's not like in sacrifice, right? It's not like they they right. make a heroic sacrifice to save the black people on top of this hill like baskin gets shot because his dumb ass won't shoot the people who are shooting at him clearly don't care if he lives or dies i guess we're supposed to think he's being the bigger man in some respects but like he gets shot and killed by butt cut yeah he got like he got killed by the guy who is like the worst guy in the movie and then i forgot who shoots um Breck, but like they both die very quick, like back to back. Like it's two back to back. Like they get gunned I, down, and I'm like, yeah, I, I think Breck gets shot by like random Klansmen because there's a bunch of shots of like Klansmen yeah. shooting, and then they turn to Breck and he's like, ah. And so the movie ends with Loretta lighting the tree that a white man got hung from. You got it. As a symbolic gesture of. The continued burning rage of racism in America? I don't know. Like the movie kind of just because it literally ends on the shot of the burning tree. And you're just left thinking, what? (laughs) That's it. There's not, and you don't even have to like sum it up with like some kind of speech by somebody. But like it's just an abrupt end after so much violence. And so much violence that doesn't amount to anything except for everybody dying. Except for OJ, who's smart enough to run away. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know what I would have preferred even from this movie? At the end was like some kind of like goofy quote, which I usually hate that. I usually hate when a movie is like, and then it quotes like, you know, the movie ends in some ambiguous nature. And then they quote the art of war. My son's here when you're like, "Uh, yeah, it all all clicks. Like, but in this movie, like we just said, you're not given who did it and why. the The main thing that the hint, the movie hinges on, slides away before the major, the major gunfight at the end starts. So that major gunfight is like the residual energy of like stuff that's already happened in the first act of the movie. Yeah. So you're you're not really left with like any kind of like overarching message or anything like that you're just left with like bloodshed which is like it could be the point right sure maybe a more intelligent filmmaker would have been like (laughs) and yes all this blood spilled was worth nothing but like really you're just left with like the two stars in a movie who are dead and then oj like pieces out after telling me about malcolm x was right and martin was wrong (laughs) which is like the weakest politics in the world well because it's like 
again we've said this is an exploitation film right like i don't think Mm. the film itself is necessarily interested in a point but like it is so self-serious that like you think it's going somewhere right like black exploitation by this point is is on and popping and there's just some goofy ass movies where there's honkies and the man and like you know black people are you know shooting up against the government and do and it's like there's not really yeah. a point to this movie it is just like here's some violence here's some titties uh here's some like comedy but but, but it's like but even like shaft and superfly act as catharsis right yeah they, those movies act as catharsis for black pain at that time sweet like, sweet being just like it's revenge it's revenge baby it's in the movies like black people don't really want revenge in real life they don't want to kill all the white people there's no there's a point in that that's stupid even though what's been done to us is tragic and terrible in the movies though that's why we have movies right so black people can like live that shit out where shaft shoots five white cops in the face and then like does a disco dance on some black woman's titties (laughs) like that's (laughs) that's why we have these movies but then this movie, see, doesn't do, like, any of that. No. It tries to be, like, super smart and tell you, like, oh, well, all that's all that is worth is the bloodshed. All, all that it begets is bloodshed. But doesn't really do anything to say that, like, it's bad on both sides. Well, but the thing about this movie is it's all the white people's fault. You know, everything that happens is the white people's fault in this movie. It's not like black people are literally continuously minding their business in this movie. Well, it's it's fucked up because it's like I guess the movie's halfway like it's kind of lightning rod's fault for raping that white woman, but like the white people were gonna do what they were gonna do anyways. They just needed an excuse to do it. And so you gave a mentally challenged boy a dollar and told him to like run around. What what did you think was gonna happen? Well, but because even that is just like such a like that, you know, the movie wants you to make assumptions, but it's like, I don't even know, like, (laughs) I don't even know if it's saying that, like, it might just be like, yeah, any old black man, if you gave him enough money, might do like something because like, yeah, Willie Washington is in jail, right? And he's like, when they come up to him originally bascom's talking to him and you know like they're having a a conversation at cross purposes because willie thinks he's talking about the the white woman that he slept with consensually and bascom is talking (laughs) about the white woman who got raped because he's like oh she said you raped her and she's like she said what (laughs) you know (laughs) i I do like that scene for that because it's it's just funny to me the visuals of two black men dressed like pimps at the end of the bar having a Wednesday night drink, you know, having a Wednesday night sit and chat. And then white people like, Willie Washington, what have you done? <laughs> and he's like, nigga, please, like, I haven't done anything. It's it reads out of a black exploitation movie, but the consequences are so dire in this movie that they're definitely serious. Yeah. So it's like, why, why even like dress these men up like pimps? Why are they the only people who are dressed like of a character in the movie? Right. Everybody else is dressed like sharecroppers. Like the idea, I guess the idea is that it's seventy four and like sharecropping is alive and well and like you know sure. well, and which is it was 
but the only other people in town who have some sense about them dress like pimps. Like, that's a comment. That's a comment. And Willie Washington, like, is in jail talking to Vascom, and he's legitimately like, I, I, why am I here? You know, like, yeah, you've you've arrested me. Certainly, nothing I can do about that. And the movie almost implies that, like, he kind of did it as a favor, you know, because like the clan was coming for him, and so right. he's got they were coming in jail. for him. Yeah to like keep him safe because they were gonna like lynch him they were fuck him up and yeah. like he needed to d- save the but like he doesn't give a fuck about Willie Washington like he's not saving Willie no. Washington because it's the right thing to do right. he's saving Willie Washington because he doesn't want to deal with all the extra bullshit that would come with him being killed by the clan you know what i mean so right. like he doesn't want to like pick up his dead body later right much. and so like this is arguably the lead of the movie like he's the first person we see you know like a lot of the he is the law yeah a lot of the the things that happen in the movie hinge upon his either like going along with or taking a stand against and he doesn't take a stand against much (laughs) (laughs) he does he does it It's, it's actually kind of funny that um he is your hero in this movie, but he could. They hired Lee Marvin because this character could not be bothered. No, that's exactly why they hired this man. Also, they hired the two drunkest men in Hollywood. By the way, we'll talk about that. Their movie. They, these men li- like literally find multiple reasons in multiple scenes to drink brown liquor. Yeah. on camera. Well, the, the shot that he pours Nancy before she leaves town is hilarious to me he fills a glass with fills a glass with whiskey and you know that glass got drunk well part of the story you know here's a little behind the scenes ahead of time is that lee marvin and richard burton were drunk i'd say upwards of 99 percent of the time on set of this film (laughs) richard burton in every scene of the movie is either standing like against something or sitting down or lying down because he was so drunk that they were afraid that he was just going to fall over no matter what Cameron was talking about a scene when we were hanging out last week where Richard Burton is clearly not driving a car. Like he's in a car pretending to drive a car, (laughs) clearly not, He's not looking at the road. He's not moving the He's not looking wheel. at the road. He's just <laughs> sitting He's up front. He's not even doing like fake <laughs> acting driving, which is like the worst kind of driving in the world. It's like that whole like you're not even really moving the yeah. wheel. He's not even doing that. He's just like his hands might have might as well be off the wheel. <laughs> and he's like, "Hey, Loretta, what's going to happen is what's going to happen, baby. I'm going to go home. I'm going to endures, and hopefully this will all mm. wash away." Well, because. Let's talk about Breck as the second, the a a the second lead in the movie, and B, mm-hmm. arguably according to the film, the most liberal white man in America, and like, chill is chill so fucking. <laughs> he's 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 like um, he's like your nice teacher in school 
that like everybody wants to you know they want to be in his class because he's so nice but then he like calls you something weird and like disillusions you completely like that's wait camera that's who he camera do you mean like like this teacher that you know nigga nigga this nigga nigga please nigga you know can you lend a nigga a pencil because i could <laughs> see him saying that <laughs> I didn't know you had that clip. Oh, I, I got, I got, I got a bunch. <laughs> uh, yes, exactly like that teacher. And when that teacher tattles on you, he's just talk, talking spicy. It's, it's just, it's just weird because the movie is trying to have a conversation, right? The only reason we're here is because this movie was in 1974 trying to have some kind of conversation about race yeah. in rural America. But it's only, and, and it's with the help of this character too, because like I feel like this this character and Track's character only further the point that white people could be less bothered with racism. It, it's there, <laughs> it's like, it's just like, golly, another day I gotta wake up and it's a racist world outside. Like I really wish it wasn't so I could keep going, you know, so I could move on with my day. Because these two men, I'm going to say especially Breck, honestly, because it's, it's funny that Breck owns land that Black people live on. Yeah. Because I feel like this guy is just like, Which hey, is never pay me rent. explained. Like, so much of who he is and his no, past is yeah. never explained. Like his great But it's hinged on the fact that he owns that land that yeah. these Black people live on. Well, because it's like, I guess the explanation is his, his grandfather was an anti-secessionist and like yes was not with the clan activity but at the same time what does that mean in terms of like him because he's like black people the poorest black people in the county get to live on his land for free mm. you know yep and I and they're sharecropping, they're picking cotton and doing doors right there yeah and i don't know why like there's never i mean you don't necessarily have to like have a whole explainer scene for it but also like that's a pretty like random thing to be happening like that's not like just a normal activity Especially. that people would be like oh yeah all the black people all the poor black people in town just live on this white man's <laughs> land because you know that's how it is across all of alabama or like and he and he doesn't the way he interacts with them very much is like the help. Like he he's never talking to them in a way that's like, oh, these people have a rapport. These people, you know, clearly care for each other and respect each other. Because there was the initial scene where Breck and Bascom, their relationship is barely explained other than like a throwaway line about them being friends since high school. In high school. But like... Bascom and now was, they're just like they just drank together. Yeah, Bascom was like, "Yo, like there's gonna be some black people coming from out of town. You're not gonna let them stay up here, are you?" And Breck is kind of like, "Well, you know, like what they do really isn't any of my business, but like I'm also not against what they're trying to do, you know." With yes, exactly. The way the movie positions him is like, I, you know, I. I could care less what they're doing, but I'm glad they're doing it. And he's the I mean, hero. He he's the other ways. guy. And he's the hero. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And he's like that's that's like the the um 
that's like the state of mind white people are like hope to have in this movie <laughs> right they're like oh there's another demonstration well it can happen on my land but i don't give a shit what happens to those niggas like that's in a movie about racism in a movie about like what does he say the, because the stakes are hinged on racism he comes up to the preacher arguably the worst actor we've seen in any movie in any movie and we watch the cricket on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you said the cricket dance, and I was just reminded about that man looking at that that shackle. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> my family wore that shackle. <laughs> I feel it in my bones. I feel the niggatry in my bones. Because <laughs> I don't even think we could imitate this guy because he's just like he's so deadpan, and like also, I don't think he knows he's a preacher. I don't either. think he knows he's in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Some other man was like, you're going to walk with this man, you're going to say these words, and you're going to leave. And he was like, you're going to pay me my $250, right? You mean 25 You mean $25, right? He's like, yeah, sure. Whatever gets me weed at the end of the day. But he, like, Brecker walks up on him, and he's just like, oh, so you think your cause is righteous? Like, you think you're... You're helping these people. You're doing the right thing. So he's like talking shit on the dude who's like leading the voting drive. He's not even trying to help in any way other than like, I guess maybe he can't be racist because black people live for free on his land. But like. He's criticizing the only man (laughs) who's actually like trying to do something in this backwater pissant town. Like. It, it's just weird that, like, the preacher was the one who was skeptical. Yeah. Right? Like, why? Like, if anything, he should be, like, kumbaya right beside the black people. Yeah. Well, because the preacher is just kind of like, well, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, what are you, what really? Are you, what, are, what is your, you know, plan to help His these people? He's so sus. He walks up one of he's like, what are you doing here, man? I don't like it. But Breck's Breck's response to it is just kind of like none of your fucking business. <laughs> they're both antagonistic to each other on off rip. Like they're like, well, what are you doing here? He's like, well, I don't see you helping. And I'm just like, aren't what? You guys are supposed to be fighting for civil rights, not like fighting each other. It's well, like- because Breck is seemingly upset that you know he wants to expose the fact that Loretta got raped by the Klan. And, and it's like specifically so like you were saying before like that that in and of itself is not enough for you to a not disown bascom i would have immediately uh <laughs> if if somebody i cared about was brutally raped and then somebody i knew tried to cover it up on behalf of like blatant racist and like uh, a nefarious organization <laughs> like the clan yeah you know he he seemed fine with that it, this is also the scene where he says gorillas by the way yes I just need you to know <laughs> and so again this this is what this movie is it's trying to if there's anything this movie does well it is that like as cartoonish and buffoonish as the clan is Unfortunately, like a lot of the ideology and the language that is used in this movie is commonplace today, but the kind of people that are in charge, like the mayor and even, you know, Bascom to a certain extent, I think are 
almost again tragically symbolic of you've got you know your Lauren Bobarts and you've got your Marjorie Taylor Greens yeah. and you've got these people who seem buffoonish and bumbling but like have actual power like they are elected officials that like they're yeah. sitting in these Senate committee meetings and they're having the ability to vote on you know things that are affecting millions of people's lives and like you know i was gonna bring this up too that this feels like one of the most prescient movies we've actually watched on this podcast if not maybe the most as fucked up as it is yeah because like the definitely the gun conversation right because i feel like the gun conversation in america is Oh, okay. The guns aren't killing people. It's just bad people with guns. Mm. And if we just like train more good people with guns, then the gun problem will solve itself. And that's like how Republicans like worm their way out of that conversation literally every time. Yeah. And I feel like this movie is literally like having that same version of ha- having a different version of that that same conversation where it's like all right, racism wouldn't persist in this town if these black people would just get out, right? Or, like, <laughs> if there weren't more Willie Washingtons, there wouldn't be a problem. But also, like, the violence goes on between white people. Yeah. The same way that, like, gun violence persists. Like, gun violence doesn't have uh, a face to it. Yeah. Guns kill. Guns are killing people. Guns are killing children, right? Regardless. And that's the part that the politicians aren't seeming to listen to, even though they have to hear it every day. And this movie is is that same kind of conversation, I feel like. Well, it's it's interesting, too, because in all of those conversations, right, like my my favorite (laughs) my favorite statistic that a lot of white people like to bring up is like, well, more white people get killed by the police every year than black people. And I'm like, yeah, we agree, right? Like, the police are killing a lot of people. Is it that bad? Like, if you're trying to tell me (laughs) that you're more at risk of being a victim to police violence, but you don't care about stopping police violence, like, that's crazy. Like, you're saying that (laughs) there's a higher percentage that they just might shoot and kill you than there is me, and yet you're not concerned about the amount of people that police are killing. And like, even in, in that gun violence debate, yes, you know, like a young black man was shot in the face by a white man, which is a horrible tragedy. Thank God he's still alive. In the same like past two weeks, there are two separate stories of a white woman in New York pulling into the wrong driveway and being shot and killed by the owner of the home. And then separately, uh, in another part of the country, a group of cheerleaders got into the wrong car and they were also shot. And so, like, people with guns are just shooting and killing people indiscriminately. And it's like, oh, it's it's for us, for black people, it's terrible because, like, you know, there's that constant, you know, just feeling in the back of your head that, like, at any given moment some crazy shit could happen to me just because somebody watched so much Fox news that they just decided that any black shape, <laughs> you know, what I mean? like, like the same black shape that right Nancy Poteet, like it's just going to be, you know, like got, got to have my gun on me at all times. Right. But it's like, it's so crazy. 
but they're killing white women too. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, so it's not. And even... you could, and you could bring this information to the people, to the lawmakers, and be like, "It's not just black people who are dying by death. It is literally, it is literally little white cheerleaders. It is your daughter. It's your daughter could be dying at the hands of this." And then these same politicians will be like, "Well, you know, there's a bad guy with a gun, you know." And yeah, we we and then we all look at our look at our look at the floor like we're confused. Because then it's like. Yeah, but that NRA lobby money is uh pretty sweet. Can't say no to Super that. Sweet, you know, and, and <laughs> it keeps coming in. And that's Bascom though. Bascom is like, yeah, all of this stuff is probably not great ethically, but like that clan money right. and like because the clan is like, we're gonna send your son to West Point, and we're gonna like, you know, we bought you a house, we did all this other stuff, mm-hmm. and he's clearly like in their pocket, and seems somewhat morally conflicted but also not really you know what i mean like but also not doing anything yeah he 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 is he's gatekeeping justice well he seems like a lot of police officers more you know just like befuddled and not interested in the extra paperwork that he'd have to do you know, on the back end of like solving that problem, than like stopping the actual yeah. problem. You know what I mean? Like he's just like, yeah, just it's it's just, just go and watch any episode of The Wire, watching <laughs> cops not want to do paperwork, and you'll you'll see for yourself. <laughs> so you know, he seems to be just kind of like, eh, you know, I guess this the town is like still standing. You know, nothing terrible has happened yet. I guess I could just continue to keep the wheels turning as long as i keep some sense of like you know equilibrium here nothing Mm -hmm. is gonna to get to that point but it's also like as black people this is the thing that we deal with all the time it's like yeah like we elected you right like you are the elected official of this town and it's not even that we should all be treated equally we should that's literally your job but like <laughs> the very least you could do right is to not actively be on the side of the people oppressing and killing us right like of oppressors the, of evil the, of like obvious evil too like the clan right the ku klux klan like these are not historically these are historically bad people right Historically bad people and like people that you don't even like, like they're not even like you your like friends anymore, or your or boys or, you know, you're not related to any of them. Like he's so dead set on like keeping butt cut <laughs> from like. And butt cut's the fucking deputy, by the way. He's not even like a top dude. Like you could get another deputy, my nigga. And like a dumbass, like. And he's dumb, you know. But... Also, I, I do love the multiple scenes of like the clan, like trying to figure out plans. There's like every time we cut to the clan at a bar or at their like fucking you know uh, uh, Elks Lodge or wherever they hang out, like they're trying to put together plans. And I swear to God, they just don't know how to put together plans no. that aren't fueled by rage. It, it's every, both times it feels like it's rage that puts them like puts their heads together like. I was, well, what do we do? We got to go get Willie Washington. Where, where, where does Willie hang? Well, I heard, uh, I heard he hangs in, uh, he, he beat up this other guy. He beat up this fucking guy. This fucking guy. 
Like it, 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 well, cause it goes from zero to a hundred once the rage gets involved. And that's right? the thing. I think like the movie is, is so confused and confusing because it's like, yeah, look at these dumbasses in the clan. Like the clan is like, none of these people are smart. None of these people Comically are, stupid. you know, like they're all buffoons. And yet, they kind of win at the end. Like they kill the two people who stood in their way. And so like what you can only assume happens after the movie is that they install their assume own person as power. Yeah. Yeah, they install their own right. person as the sheriff, right? The land that those black people live on probably goes to not them, but like it's just Loretta does not get to live there in peace when this movie is no, over. No, like they they probably come and like run everybody off of that mountain and just assume the land. So like it's bad for everyone, you know. And like yeah. I think this is the seventies, right? This is the 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 epitome of the down sour ending of like society is crumbling, everything is fucked up. Like you know, bad guys win. Or just like the ambiguous, like what do you think, you know, kind of ending, and yeah. like yeah. this is both of those, but seems to be at odds with what the movie was trying to propose in the beginning, in and, the first, and place. so you kind of come away at the end of it like, what, <laughs> what are you trying to communicate to me? Because I think you're yeah. trying to tell me that racism is bad, but also that racism is like America. And there's nothing I can do about it, or <laughs> you know what? It does actually. Crazy enough, it does feel very. This is America video, the Childish Gambino video, because like that video doesn't offer any answers. If anything, it's, it's built to provoke, right? Sure. It's like you know, it's it's all about gun violence. Then there's the shot with the the black choir that he shoots right. and stuff like that. The movie doesn't really offer any answers because it doesn't show you like what a good world will look like or what a like not paradise or utopia but yeah. like a, a sane functioning world looks like it shows me it doesn't offer answers 10 minutes of on-screen rape yeah <laughs> the movie is literally built to provoke it's only built to be exploitative it doesn't know how to give you catharsis no right it doesn't it doesn't bring anything to uh, it, it only brings things to a height just to leave you at that height. Now, I, hey, I've seen enough Korean movies to know a good ambiguous ending. I, lo I love a good ambiguous ending, don't we all, right? But an ambiguous ending is actually used to provoke conversation, to provoke yeah. thought, right? This movie, I feel like where what you're saying, Jordan, is like the movie kind of doesn't know what it wants to say. And even, even when I think it does, it it still flies short of that, and then mm -hmm. doesn't, and then just leaves you with nothing to say. The movie just leaves you with nothing multiple times. Yeah, right. You know when when uh, I'll say this when um, Loretta is raped and she's left there with butt cut, and then Breck shows up. I mean, and then um, Trax shows up. Trax first instinct is to shout at her yes. right he shouts and like shouts at her he's like get in the truck like like a kid so that's going to show you he doesn't care about her well-being he doesn't take her to the hospital 
He only shouts at her and then lies about what actually happened to her. So the only friends that Loretta would have in like in white society, they just want to like sweep it under the rug so they can mm-hmm. keep on with you know status quo. But the status quo is white people like burning random things and beating up people. Like yeah. violence begets violence, but doesn't beget like any ideas. Right. It, we're only we're only living in this world that's like marked by a history of violence, as I guess shown by the tree that everybody seems to hate in this movie <laughs> well last few things i want to talk about i want to talk about the tree i want to talk about again like this seemingly confused idea of like oj is here to kill the clan in a a way that's kind of like that catharsis you were talking about earlier, you know, kind of like go OJ, you know, like he, <laughs> he tricks a clan member into coming outside because somehow he gets his hands on clan robes and the guy comes outside yeah. only to find out that OJ couldn't get gloves. Cause he's got black hands. <laughs> and then he shoots him. Isn't that exactly how that plays out in Bad Boys too? I Isn't think that so. exactly how that happens? Maybe like they, literally, maybe they saw the clans. Well, black hands, and they're like that niggas on the state. <laughs> and then they, you know what? Maybe Bad Boys too is like a you know a, a taught racial. Let's mm. <laughs> not get carried maybe, away. Maybe... <laughs> <laughs> this got don't give Michael Bay too much credit. That's you're right. You're right. You're right. And well, because then like he goes and shoots up you know like the funeral and he kills another guy and then he comes to the final showdown and he's shooting all these people but then bascom is like hey stop killing these white men basically even though you're in like you're in a you're in a fucking shootout for your life like these people are not shooting to they're like fr- they're not going to stop shooting they're not they're not going to stop shooting and they're not shooting to like scare people away or like there's probably like 20 25 of them to like the three or four of you right like any and everyone with a gun who's on my side in that situation i'm not going to stop them <laughs> from shooting yeah. people because that you know because then he ends up getting killed and it's supposed to he be. literally gets what he's asking for yeah like uh you know his his hubris does him in i guess but even in that i'm just like he doesn't come around at the end to say enough is enough you know what i mean like the clan's gone too far this whole situation has gone too far i'm the sheriff i'm gonna take control i'm gonna you know do whatever it's just kind of like all right I don't want them to shoot up my friend's house and this mountainside. And that's really <laughs> his only, like, you know what I mean? Like, he's not, it's not, you know, the clan is wrong and, like, I need to stand up to them. It's kind of like, again, I don't really want to do all the fucking paperwork that's probably involved with, you know, an outright massacre on this hill. So I'm going to not do that. Because, like, even, like, but does that even matter? Like to these people, like bloodshed is bloodshed. Bloodshed right? is bloodshed. It doesn't matter. Well, because because it's even like like he stops them from killing Buttcut, and it's like, why? The man is clearly and trying to he, murder you, and then eventually right, and does. Then all he did was play possum, so he could kill him. <laughs> right. So like, 
I don't think the movie is smart enough to make a commentary about, you know, how racism and, you know, this kind of, of violence and hatred is detrimental to everybody, right? It's going to get everybody killed. doesn't matter if you're white or black, you know, like this is a problem that's going to affect everyone. I don't think that's really what it's trying to say, because I don't think it's smart enough to get to that point. I think it's just right. like... It was like, I just wanted to see some violence a little bit. Yeah. Because it, it, sure, it, because of the nature of the movie, that's kind of the back and forth. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, like, gotta have the sex, gotta have the naked women, gotta have the, uh, you know, violence and, you know, the language and, like, all this other stuff. Like you're saying, the movie's there to provoke, you know, that's kind of its mission statement first and foremost. But when you throw in all of the racial <laughs> elements of it, you know, like it can't Which seem to be the main elements. Yeah. It can't be some kind of like halfway in, halfway out, you know, sentiment. Like there's gotta be some kind of definitive because there's not, that's the thing. Like this, this movie is very fine people on both sides. Right. And like, it can't be that because it's, it's not that like, that's not anywhere close to the truth. You know, like there is the clan terrorists who murder people (laughs) (laughs) based on racial hatred and white supremacy. And then there's black people just living, you know, and the fact that there has to be a Willie Washington or a lightning rod or like somebody who you can point out and say, yeah, but like that guy maybe isn't a good person. It's like that doesn't matter because it doesn't matter. Yeah. (laughs) In comparison to the Klan, (laughs) you know, like whatever Willie Washington has going on, which seemingly wasn't criminal, he just was a kind of, you know, a known player Lothario around town. He was a possible pimp. Possible pimp, you know, but like <laughs> if even in what he was doing, like he's not the clan, right? Lightning Rod, I don't know. Again, the movie is so fucking messy that I can't really parse what I should be if I should feel sorry for him, if I should think he's a monster, if he's like, you know, this right. kind of like weaponized like he's he's basically weaponized black sexuality right like you just kind of point him at something and he's just gonna do the worst possible thing even though i'm also supposed to assume that he doesn't have control over it which again is just a whole fucking (laughs) you know terrible terrible layers of of stuff that the movie is not smart enough to even begin to approach so like, I I just, I leave the movie feeling like I'm not quite sure anybody involved came in with an idea of what they wanted to do. And so they ended with, let's burn the tree. You know, like that's yeah. <laughs> what we got. We burn the history. There, there we go. Well, we'd also, we'd, we'd be remiss to uh, leave out the, the whole uh, Staple Sisters song and stacks records of it all Mm -hmm. um the movie starts with a song that's actually not a bad song either by the way yeah by the staple sisters uh, called uh what the good the good christian people yep and this is also a phrase that is uttered 
multiple times throughout this movie, multiple times. Yep. And they go to great lengths to say this several times, generating the idea that these people who live in this town, albeit that they're racist uh, and terrible, are deep down or at least like present to be good Christian people, yeah. uh, present to be good church going people with morals and platitudes and things like this. But underneath, they're racists and want to burn all the black people in their tents. Right. So, so it's kind of like the racist problem exists, and this movie is just a conduit to see like it at work. Yeah. Not really like begging that there's a solution for it, or uh, it, it, it's it's just more just saying like. A lot of people in America may present that they're good Christian people, but they really kind of don't care and would kill, whether it be black people or white people, anyone in their path to maintain, like, white homeostasis. Sure. And the idea that these movies, as we've seen throughout, like, need to have a good white person to say, hey what are you doing with those black people? Like, this is unjust. And like, we can't, you know, we don't, we don't act like this. We're good Christian white people or like this movie doesn't even do that because there's really no good white people for, for a, a genre, you know, that we, (laughs) we've been through extensively at this point. Like there's always one good white person presented, uh, mm-hmm. Whether they're real or fictional, you know, in order to kind of like present the case or be the like the the POV character. But I guess even mm-hmm. if you're a white person in this movie, like, I don't know who you'd want to be because they're who are you all rooting for? Who are you rooting terrible. For? You're definitely not rooting for uh, for Brett. No, your, your, your boy Brett is a is a drunk is just a rich drunk. Who... A rich drunk and like. A fucking like, he's not quite a pickup artist, but he's definitely like in the in the lane of like. Oh, he's a skeezer. He's a skeezer for sure. Yeah, he's a he. What, what would you call like a like a gentleman's fuck boy? You know what I mean? Like he's like <laughs> in the beginning, he's sleeping with some woman who I think is also sleeping with the mayor. And she's like, also sleeping with the mayor, you yeah. know, the mayor said he wanted to marry me. And he was like, you should go ahead and do that then. Yeah, do that. <laughs> and she's like, but I, I don't want to marry him. I want to marry you. And he's like, all right, well, that's not going to happen. So <laughs> good luck. Well, too bad. But then like, <laughs> you know, two days in with Trixie, he's like, we should get married. And she's like, uh, about that. I think I'm going to get on the Greyhound now. I'm getting on a bus. <laughs> yeah, I got to go get on the Greyhound and go um, to like 10 towns over. <laughs> but that brings me to the last thing I want to talk about, which is my favorite line of the movie, because I don't even know. I don't have any context for what this means. No. Trixie's husband <laughs> comes in. Oh, <laughs> to complain to Bascom that he now has yeah. to leave town because his wife was raped by a black man, which is like <laughs> the worst thing that could happen to him. It's, it's bad so for funny. him. He, he is crying. He is this man is crying. Upset. He's wailing and delivers the immortal line. And now I have to get on the Greyhound like the niggers. Like the niggers. <laughs> 
don't even what does that mean <laughs> right it's like so you know what my favorite thing about these racist movies is honestly just finding out how racist people try to like express themselves racist people just like just i mean i <laughs> like, guess or- that's how you that's how you got there i'm sure I do, did white people just take the train? Is that what he's trying to say? Or like good Christian white folk took the train to the Amtrak instead of like the niggers who were could forced only, to take the ground. Only afford the Greyhound? For us. I didn't know we were associated with the Greyhound. I didn't think that was a thing that was like synonymous with us, because I've seen all kinds of people on the bus. So we all broke, baby. <laughs> we all got to get to that town that the train and the airport doesn't serve. But the way serve. the way he said it, you know, he was like sitting on that niggers. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's deep in his in his throat right there. <laughs> he held that end. He's he <laughs> like, I can't wait to to the day we shoot that scene. That's gonna be fun. They were letting it fly in this movie. I mean, like I, Every. you know, like. They were giving Django a run for its money. I wouldn't be yeah, surprised. Yeah, the clan members was going crazy, boy. They were just like, oh, I can say it in this movie? Okay. I can say it. <laughs> the director's white, too? Oh, I'll say it, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And no black people were going to be on set that day, right? Yeah. Got it, got it. Cool, cool, cool. All right, that, 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 yeah, that, I know we're done filming, but just nigga, 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 nigga. All right. You know, <laughs> this is a safe space, five, right? Rapid fire on this real, 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 Get them off real quick. Is that cool with you? <sighs> Boy, well, let's get into some of the behind the scenes of this movie. There's not a ton, but it is a weird movie for a lot of reasons. Uh, As we said, this movie was produced, and the film rights, because it's based on a book of the same name, by William Bradford Hugh, and it was brought by William D. Alexander, who formed the company The Movie People, to make the film. And he spent over a year putting it together and like it's interesting because it kind of went through a various levels of development the first draft of the script was done by sam fuller but then eventually it was rewritten Mm -hmm. by uh millard kaufman and sam fuller claims that kaufman distorted must much of what he wrote and like there were some disputes because i guess like william d alexander financing the film you know producing the film but was really kind of beholden to like these italian investors who put a lot of the money into the movie and then the movie got made by paramount and so like that was kind of who he was answering to and so they were like yeah we don't really like this fully script and he was like bet (laughs) let's do something let's do something different then so didn't have enough of the N word in it, did it? Did it? <laughs> I knew you were feeling that. You know, clean that up. <laughs> uh, so Bill Schifrin, who was partially Sam Fuller's agent, would say that Terrence Young was hired basically at the insistence of some European investors because you know they had liked what he had done with the Bond movies and kind of wanted to see him move over to American films and like. I guess this is what they thought was going to be the one that was going to take off for him after that. But then Terrence Young is the one who hired Luciana Paluzzi, oh who played God. 
Trixie in the movie, and she was also uh, Fiona Fiona Volpe in Thunderball, right? But she didn't really speak. Oh yeah, yeah. She's got that accent, and so she got dubbed over by Joanna Moore. Um, and oh my gosh, yeah, Moore was originally supposed to play the role, but you know, like they just decided to. Well, I guess Terrence decided that Luciana was going to be the one to play that. But yeah, like that, she didn't sound Southern at all. And so they okay. were just like, we got to dub this over. That's fair. Um, That's legitimate. So like it, it got bad basically because they were just Richard Burton and Lee Marvin, to be precise, were just drinking constantly every day on the set. Um, so much so that it was quite obvious. Yeah. Bait, like right after filming ended, Richard Burton was hospitalized for alcoholism and like was saying that he was drinking two to three bottles oh of vodka God. a day. And this was so much so that in 1977, Richard Burton bumped into Lee Marvin at a party and the, the host was talking to them and like accidentally introduced them to each other. But then was like, Oh, but you guys obviously know each other. Neither of them remembered filming this movie, so like both they didn't remember like the five to six scenes that they shared, yeah. including a shootout. No, they were blackout drunk. Good. Richard Berg was also diagnosed with uh, <laughs> influenza after this film because he was smoking so much on set as well. And then, uh, yeah. yeah, so Sam Fuller's original screenplay that he submitted was very different because it had Lee Marvin's character as the KKK leader and not as the sheriff. Ah, that makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. That make that tracks, uh, pun intended. But he was supposed to start off as the KKK leader and then have his whole viewpoint completely changed by the end of the movie. But that was not what Paramount wanted. And so they basically had the whole thing rewritten and that's when Fuller left. Marvin wanted to leave, but he had already signed on for the contract. But Marvin was so upset about the movie that he ended up calling it the Clownsman instead of the Klansman. Um, Ooh, so... <laughs> your boy got jokes. But with the five million dollar budget, it was at the time the most expensive film ever produced by a black person. So I guess props for that. Mystery, uh... <laughs> mystery. And then something that's going to upset you, Cameron. Uh, <laughs> as if this movie didn't already yeah. so Cameron Mitchell who plays Buttcut yes is said to have been so upset after having to perform the rape scene that he basically burst into tears after filming it and then like apologized to Loretta and like sent her roses the next day in an apology note so, like, even the guy making the movie, doing the scene, was like, I don't like this, this at all. This is gross. <laughs> I'm also very upset by what I was just asked to do and, like, don't want to keep doing this. Well, that, that actually, that's not that bad, actually, because this is also, fun fact, this is the man who I'm named after. Oh. Yeah, my name is Cameron Mitchell Mason. That is that is right. And this guy is my namesake. Well. <laughs> <laughs> but at least he didn't he wasn't a dirtbag. I mean he filmed the scene, he was like, that seems fucked up. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just can't imagine, you know, like 
we're describing this, but like, obviously, yeah, y'all don't see it. Obviously, if you like, don't. I'd recommend not don't watch it. it. You can live without watching it, but like, it is, <laughs> it is graphic, you know, in a way of like, it's not shot in a way that really leaves you any space to like not interact with what's happening on scene like it's it's done in a very exploitative way where yeah. you know you're almost kind of put in the pov of of butt cut and like um, it, a butt cut and loretta yeah. like you see butt cut like his gyrating his yeah. weird, like vibrating body because it's not gyrating <laughs> Um, I mean, no, I'm not going to credit his stroke or anything. Yeah. What's going on here? But like, <laughs> your man's vibrating on top of this girl. It was very, it was a comical almost. I was like laughing at it, but I was also like, and this it, is it goes on horrible. for a long time. So like, yeah, like three minutes. I would, I would bet. Like, yeah, it feels like it's going on forever. Right. So I mean, you if you watch the edited version, like all of that's cut out, and it's very telling that there is an edited version of a public domain movie <laughs> because you would think they would just have the one cut to show, but apparently they knew this isn't something that people should be watching. And so they just kind of removed in a movie where, again, multiple, Even... multiple women get raped in the movie and like they leave yeah. some of them in and take Ugh. some of them out. It's a confusing edit that I don't really understand why they decided that that was what they were going to do. But uh... <laughs> yeah, that wasn't helpful either that the edit is like straight trash. Yeah, it's bad for the entire movie. Yeah. It's almost indecipherable sometimes, but then it's like also like boringly straightforward yeah. at other times. So, but then there's also the train stunt that I wasn't sure was a stunt or not. So <laughs> it, it's just, it, it, it's vibrating on all kinds of levels throughout. I will say that. I I think we could skip the reimagining this week because I really don't no, think no more Klansmen. Yes. Yeah. A, a need for this movie. Like we said, it's, unfortunately prescient you know in the sense of that there is a lot of things that you see again even the language of you know outside agitators and all the other things that Mm -hmm. you know were kind of happening seem to be very much so in the Ron DeSantis lexicon and you know the way that a lot of people are talking these days but at the same time it's like there's zero value in this movie and I don't really understand or could conceive of what we need to see like through it (laughs) yeah on the one hand like absolutely like white people if if racism is going to change in any substantive way need to be the people that are looking at the clan and all these other like if they're not upset about it they should be leading the charge yeah if if they're gonna be kind of like in the middle, maybe some things slide, maybe some things don't, but you know, they're not really going to take a hard stance on anything. Then yeah, things are going to change because like, these are the people that are going to be in power who are going to be able to, you know, have influence. And like, if everybody else just kind of says, eh, okay, you know, I know, I know this is terrible and bad, but like, I guess I'll just sit by and watch, you know, uh, right, be a right. bystander to white supremacy, then yeah, nothing's going to change. So 
there's that, but like you don't need a movie to know that. Like that's just American history. So like read a book. <laughs> you can figure out all of the same Wait, things. That, it's not that should be the end of the podcast. It's like just read a book. Just, read a just book. go read a book. Um, just go read a book. But we're not the only ones who had opinions on this movie. Let's go around and play our favorite game and see <laughs> what everybody else had to say about the Clansman. So Cameron, starting with IMDB, what do you think out of ten stars? the Klansman currently has. Mm. I'm going to say IMDb says five, five out of ten. Close. 5.2. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. It's interesting. That seems accurate. It's like an active movie. I'll say that. It's active. Like, it keeps moving. Things yeah. happen. Now, I mean, it's bad, right? It's a bad movie. It's bad. Like, it's, it's bad, though. It's poorly acted. It's like films legibly, you know, like Terrence Young is a good filmmaker, you know, at least when it comes to the action stuff. So like, you know, it's, yeah. it's not like things It's all legible. Yeah. Nothing is confusing or doesn't make sense. It's just not terribly interesting or terribly like necessary. <laughs> like yeah. the movie is under two hours, but still feels like you could have cut out another 20 minutes or so so that's a lot of these reviews are just like you know uh, what the fuck is richard burton doing in this movie (laughs) going over to rotten tomatoes out of 100 percent, what do you think the clansman currently has again not a good movie (laughs) no i'm gonna say mm, i'm gonna say 40 40 percent 22%. 22%. That's only... Wait, 42%? 22. 20? God damn! That's only out of nine <laughs> reviews. Again, sometimes when we go back to these movies from the 70s, the 80s, etc., there's not a lot of, like, in-the-moment reviews. There are seen reviews from, you know, obviously the modern day. But... Right. I mean, yeah, people didn't... It's, it's hard to watch this movie <laughs> today... <laughs> And unless you are like yay racism, like be into not for you. or rape or any of the other horrible that you know what I mean, unless yeah. like you're just like I love because even as an exploitation film, right? Like it's not as successful as something like Sweet Sweet Back or like some of these other movies that are just like yeah, we're doing that thing. You know what I mean? Where it's yeah, just right. like we're I'm a, <laughs> I'm a kid who was raised on Pulp Fiction, like. You know, they were still making those kind of crazy movies well into the 90s. Yeah. So I was dealing with that kind of content and ready for something that was exploitative in that nature. But it was just like so meaningless. And so. Yeah. Well, because like trying to be smarter than it really ended up being. Yeah. The exploitation stuff literally pops up out of nowhere and then happens and then recedes into the background. And then you're back to. Just a regular ass movie, uh, so <laughs> yeah, not not beloved by critics. Also has a twenty five percent audience score. So this is all accurate. This all tracks. Yeah, but wait until you get to Amazon.com. <laughs> what do you Our think? Great friends over there. Out of five stars, what do you think Amazon viewers gave the Klansman? Hmm. I, I, I there, there's no way it's got five stars. It's like I'm gonna say three, three stars, three stars. Um, so 
It's got four stars. Um, One star too many. Two stars too many, maybe. Yeah, maybe three stars too many. <laughs> I was trying. To, I was being nice. But yeah, nice. Um, yeah, again, it's it's got a reputation as like a pretty trash movie. So it's fifty two percent five star rating. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, certain people. If you like Lee Marvin, if you like, um. Yeah, this whole generation's brought up by these people. Yeah, like if you're if you're into these actors, you know, like this was they weren't done by this point. They were still names, but like this definitely was kind of like the downturn for both. And obviously this very <laughs> much so for Richard Burton was like <laughs> For Richard Burton. Yeah, you know, he was not 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 good. After like, this, like you um, want to get out of the game, or you want to die. <laughs> and I mean, we didn't get into this into the um, the behind the scenes, but this is OJ's first movie. Like this is what? OJ's film debut is in the classman. <laughs> I yeah. Uh, so it is kind oof. of you know an historic piece of film uh, in that regard, but it is yeah kind of a mess from start to finish. Um, pretty much and we don't we don't necessarily go over to letterbox too much but it does have a 2.6 over there um and like i think there's a lot of people who came for a messy film and then ended up seeing this and we're like oh this isn't even because it's not it's not even it's, it's not fun messy it's not yeah it's not like oh go get him go get the client go get him yeah like it's not even that it's messy but it's not like yeah you're not having a good time you know more or less after a while you're just kind of like this is but also you're not even like tackling your own like your own inner politics or like you yeah. know like coming to some kind of again catharsis about this yeah you, you're just like presented terrible facts yeah in a terrible fashion and then set to deal with them. Yeah. Well, and they, nothing really comes of anything. Yeah. Um, well, I guess it's time for us to rank this film. So let's get to our three levels of caucasity, starting with the first level, which is shorts in the winter. Um, it's, you know, more or less springtime now depending on where you are i know certain parts of the midwest it's a fake spring where you know maybe you're not not there all the way but we're talking about dead ass winter time uh you know 20 degrees 20 degrees going down and you know i know it's oj's name but garth or <laughs> or someone of the like is is walking around your neighborhood shorts on maybe sandals you know socks no socks depending on how they're feeling that day and seemingly See, no just, socks I've seen plenty of no socks yeah, just just letting that that wind chill brush up against their bare legs without a care in the world and that's where we question it but it's not the worst thing ever it's more of a curiosity why are you doing this to whose benefit is this happening do you just need somebody to loan you a pair of pants like it's you know somebody can make that happen for you um cameron what's the second level 
second level caucasity is this movie is touching my hair. Hmm. So at this point, the you know, this movie has a question for you. How does your hair feel? But before even asking it, probably knuckle deep already in your afro. And, you know, you want to probably take, take a, some sort of stance yourself. But, you know, we're not violent. People try to be nonviolent out here. But what has happened is a violence. Mm-hmm. It's not quite, you know, you're not dead. No one's dead as a result of this. But, you know, they definitely overstepped at this point. The third level this week is a multitude because a wave white people have a wave been, of caucasity has wiped over this nation white people have been on on a new level i don't really know what's been happening in the last two weeks but it's been they've been playing that song they've been playing on a new yeah, level I guess the whole week. So. Like, let's fucking go um i mean obviously everything surrounding ralph yarrell and what happened to him in tennessee is tragic mm-hmm. and only a result of caucasity you know what i mean like the man like truly yeah the man it very much so admits to seeing a black person on his doorstep and shooting without any questions just like that was the move for him you know disney is like hey let's make this live action lilo and stitch movie but you know who we're gonna cast as a very clearly brown-skinned woman in the animated film a white woman you got it <laughs> we've got the main guy of Firefest getting out of jail and then promptly mm-hmm. announcing Firefest 2. Firefest 2. You know what I mean? The thing that you Let's go, the sequel. Just got out of prison for it. You're going to run it back and see what happens. He's spinning the block. He's spinning the block. <laughs> Let's go. Multiple lawmakers in multiple counties have decided that instead of just, I don't know, minding their own fucking business, they're going to shut down libraries in order to not have banned books available. So that's how far so they're willing to go. Let's ban the books and then just get fucking get rid of all the books because who needs intelligence? Ban the libraries as well. We could go <laughs> on. There's there's three or four or five other stories. Some random white person defaced a mural of Paul Robeson mural in DC. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's there. Something's in the and he's air. He's still alive. Yeah, he's still alive out there somewhere. Yeah, I know. I was I was saying if Paul Robeson was alive and saw that man. Like that man was a championship boxer. The hands he would have put on you, uh... the beat down he would receive. <laughs> but that's obviously you know exactly what you're doing, right? Like this, there's no questioning it. Yes. Whether you're committing violence against black people, whether you're actively defacing murals, uh, celebrating black people, whether you're going so far as to eliminate the places where you could read about and get information about black people. Whether you're just saying, I'm so sure that nothing bad is going to happen to me that even though I just got out of jail for doing this very same thing, I'm going to try to get, <laughs> and I believe My that. My man knows about double jeopardy. I'm going to get money for, like, people are going to give me the funding and the money to attempt to do this, even though that's literally what you didn't have the first time. But, <laughs> Cameron, given all that, what do you think the Klansman gets out of those three levels? Yeah, this is peak caucasity, baby. This is that. This is that fire. This is that five five. Yeah. <laughs> this this is wild that this movie exists. Honestly, straight up, it, it offers no solutions. It is literally an hour and a half, well, hour forty five long movie for you to see women desecrated, 
black people just disrespected. There's there's Garth's revenge, but like, what is that really? Not what is that? Nothing. It, it feels it feels empty and moot when the people who were fighting for or fighting against racism supposedly both die at the end of the movie. No answers, really, no questions posed. Yeah, and really just an excuse to you know get off the N word a couple times. So a couple. Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry, a couple hundred times. My fault. My fault. Yeah, the Klansman ain't got ain't got no clout with me. Uh, Pete Cassidy, zero stars. <laughs> yeah, I mean, any movie where um, multiple black women get raped, and you know they they really are just like letting, let. I mean, like the Klan came in and they were just like, who are these niggas? <laughs> <laughs> On site, you know. And that black bastard Willie <laughs> Justice for Willie Washington. Um, Justice for Willie Washington, yeah. But there's, yeah, there, it's because there's no justification for it, right? Like, I can't imagine a movie like this that would have anything resembling a justification. But, like, even if the movie had attempted at the end to say, and this is the point. You know, like it's not subtle in any way, so I wouldn't have been offended at the movie for you know very blatantly like stamping its foot down and saying racism bad, you know. But yeah, like, no, I would have rather a departed rat at the, you know the departed rat at the end of this because yeah. <laughs> I would have rather that in the situation. It it doesn't really get to anything, you know. Like it's just it's an hour and fifty minutes of black debasement and like just a, a nigger marathon you know everybody just everybody gets to say it at least five times so like i can't get nothing less than the third level and i'm i'm really curious as to like because when it came out like people were not fucking with it and obviously like it was Really not a good look for... I mean, ironically, OJ is the only one who really survived this movie. <laughs> until. Well. Until. But, I mean, after this, his his star was kind of <laughs> on the incline. He was going up. He was, you know, going yep. to Airplane and a bunch of other movies. Uh, but, like, everybody else involved was kind of like, yeah, this was like a low point in their careers. So, like... It's not like it was a beloved film when it came out. Again, it's in the public domain now. Like people don't want to even have ownership over the film. I <laughs> know like, we can let that one slide. But like, it's yeah, it's not like oh, a bunch of people are gonna watch The Klansman. You know, <laughs> like it's gonna be a movie that, like The Help or other films, is like you know regularly. It's on Tubi if you want to watch it. It's on Amazon Prime if you want to watch it. It's on Daily Motion if you want to watch it. You know what I mean? Like, you can kind of see all the different versions of the movie. But even, I didn't check the the view count on Daily Motion, but I don't think it was a movie that people were, like, clamoring to go oh, see. Oh, I didn't check the view count either, but it definitely ain't up there. Yeah, so, like, you know, that I guess that's the only good side at the end of the film is that it wasn't a smash hit success. It kind of... <laughs> Niggas ain't watching. Yeah, you know, I mean... <laughs> Spe- yeah, specifically, that. niggas. Did not watch this movie. 
Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. Um, Cameron, do you have anything to, to recommend to people on the way out? Um, <laughs> uh, Criterion's been on a run, putting out some black movies. And this isn't in their recent. Um, this isn't in their recent output, but they did do a 4K remaster of Devil in a Blue Dress. Yeah. Carl Franklin's adaptation of the Walter Mosley novel. Worth your time. Check it out. It's like a great Denzel performance and a really good performance from uh, Don Cheadle as well. Um, next criteria on flash sale. I'm a cop it. You should cop it too. Nice. You know what also got a Blu-ray remaster? The Clansman. <laughs> you, you start lying. It, you, yeah, it did. Uh, in 2017. There's a fucking Blu-ray? Yeah. 2017, baby. I'm sick. Uh, <laughs> you, know, you know Quentin Tarantino owns that motherfucker. He just hangs it on yep, his mantle. Yep. Like, yeah, no, no, uh, I don't, I'm not racist. I'm like, you know, I, just, I, you know, I was just inspired by how many times they said nigger in the movie. I was like, I think I can do that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um and, oh, and and where can everybody find you find you online? Uh yeah, you can find me on the tweets as long as that website's still around Jeez. and the IGs. <laughs> Counting down the days over here. Yeah. Um at the blipster eleven thirty eight. I post jokes. Um I got a couple uh, I got a couple things in the cooker, but I don't think anything's gonna see the light of day until deep into summer so catch me catch me around in all right um my recommendation will be uh a book by one of our our former guests hannah flint which is called strong female character uh which came out in. are you reading it yeah no it's it's good it came out in february and it's like part part memoir but also part just like her general film critique and like you know how a lot of I think it's relatable in the sense that, you know, our generation specifically, but even more so now, like growing up with movies and like the way that you see yourself in film or try to find yourself in film and that exploration of, you know, trying to, okay, well, this is what's happened in the movies. Is this what I'm supposed to do as a teenager? Is this what I'm supposed to Mm -hmm. feel, you know, at this part of my life? Or like, man, you know, it would be great to be, x y and z luke skywalker you know etc but like they don't really look like me so like is there who do i get to be you know <laughs> who do i get to be well nobody in this movie apparently uh, no um <laughs> nor would i want to be um, no H- hannah's got a lot of great takes she's yeah. really dope on twitter as well so definitely check out her stuff yeah so that that would be my recommendation and then you can find me online at jr sosa 18 on twitter and instagram again as long as that is around and coming out May 30th is the Milestone Initiative Talent Showcase from DC Comics. We've got a Static Shock story in there, so be sure to check that out when that drops. And then other comic Ooh. stuff happening in the future. Uh, we honestly should start thinking about other social media sites to jump on, but as for now, we are Your on Your boys Twitter. might have a Substack for a bit, in a bit. Who knows? Something, something else. But for now, we're on Twitter at white underscore pod. Um, you can also reach out to us at white people won't save you pod at gmail.com. Let us know we're, we're coming up on a hundred episodes. Not quite there. We got maybe like five, six more to go before we get to that. But we're getting there, you know, if you've got suggestions for what movie we should watch, if you've got suggestions for a guest you'd like to 
see if we could try to wrangle somebody to be on like um g- g- give us the give us your ballpark takes yeah, yeah. We're, we're going we're swinging for the fences yeah so i mean we we might put a poll out on on the twitter or just kind of throw the question out for what what movie we should watch for that so you know let us know our our list is long and it continues to grow by the day <laughs> we will have plenty of content for the future yeah. trust we will pass 100 episodes I, for sure we might pass 200 at this point I... <laughs> america yeah uh but that's gonna do it for us this week we'll be back next week with more caucasity peace peace You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved.